0: Hi, I'm Jonathan and I want to wish you and your family a happy Thanksgiving and share with you the three things I'm most thankful for right now. First, I'm thankful for God's goodness. Even in the midst of guiding people through terribly difficult seasons of heartbreak and recovery, we hold firm to the goodness of God. He is for us and not against us. Second, I'm thankful for God's faithfulness. For over 15 years, God has been using Be Broken to bring healing and hope to thousands. And he's never left us, and he's never forsaken us. He walks with us every step of the journey, no matter how lean or lonely our circumstances. Finally, I'm thankful for you. Your partnership is what affords us the opportunity to connect broken lives with the healing power of God and his people. Your generosity makes a real difference to real people. And I hope you take a moment with us to reflect on what you're thankful for. And if Be Broken happens to make your list, I would love to hear about it. Just call or write and let me know why you're thankful for us. And may God bless you as you celebrate his goodness and faithfulness in your life this holiday season. Keep pressing on. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad that you've decided to join us. Uh, My name is Jonathan, and I'm sitting here in San Antonio, and I just love technology because today we are able actually to have in a friend of ours from Austin, just up the road from San Antonio. We've got Jessica McDaniel here with us. So, Jessica, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you so much. It's really good to be here.
0: Yeah. So before we get started, um, I want to let the listeners know we've got some exciting stuff that's coming up this next week. It's, you know, it's Thanksgiving and everything that's surrounding Thanksgiving. You know, we know that we have Black Friday and then Cyber Monday and Giving Tuesday. Well, we're actually, we've got some exciting things for our listeners and those who um, are connected to our ministry because we actually are doing a Cyber Monday and a Giving Tuesday deal Cyber Monday, we are actually going to be having a 50% sale off of all of our books and all of our online training courses. So you'll definitely want to reserve some time on Monday to be ordering uh, books and training courses and letting your pastor and friends and family know about that. So just go to uh, our website, BeBroken.com, and on Cyber Monday, you'll be able to learn about how to get all of those deals. Also, we have a pretty... um, substantial goal that we want to achieve for Cyber Tuesday um, uh, or Giving Tuesday. I'm sorry, Cyber Monday's Giving Tuesday. Uh, giving Tuesday is usually kind of seen now nowadays as sort of the official launch into the year-end uh, giving that most ministries are relying on, and we're no different. So on Giving Tuesday, we've got a $10,000 goal set to be able to try to raise that in one day and that will go towards directly impacting fifty to hundred families in 2019 through our Gateway to Freedom uh, three-day intensive for men, as well as our Wives Care Group. So please pray about how you might want to join and partner with us on uh, Giving Tuesday. Well, Jessica, I want to uh, I want to let our listeners and viewers just get to know you a little bit because this particular episode that we're doing, we're going to be diving into an issue that is often under-appreciated or, or under-focused uh, on, and that is the idea of what happens when the betrayed spouse becomes the one who also cheats or the one who also commits a, a, a betrayal. And so before we get into that subject, why don't you let our listeners know a little bit about you Um, why you even have a voice in this area, just kind of what gives you sort of the credentials, so to speak, to actually talk about this issue?
1: Yeah, great question. I was wondering that myself when I first got into this area and thought, how in the world am I going to talk about something so personal as a professional counselor? So Mm. um, I've been married for 12 years now to my husband, Ryan, and we have three Young girls, our oldest is seven, and our twins are four. They're gonna be five next week, so we're like right on that cusp of having almost three kids in elementary school, which we can't Uh, wait. But that's a little bit about me personally. uh, Professionally, I'm an LPC, and that's licensed professional counselor. So I've been doing counseling since 2008. Um, I'm a graduate of Denver Seminary up in Littleton, Colorado, where I got my seminary degree, but also my master's in counseling. And so currently I work at the Austin Stone Counseling Center, which the Austin Stone is a church in Texas, in Austin, Texas. And uh, the counseling center is something that was created a few years back. And we wanted to serve the people of our church. We wanted to offer biblical care to men and women and couples. And so I've just had the privilege of being on staff here at the Stone since I believe 2011, when we opened, mm-hmm. and I've been here ever since, working with with clients.
0: Yeah, no, I think it takes a special uh, calling or passion or you know bent mm. to want to deal with and help people in the area of uh, betrayal in, mm-hmm. in relationships. So. Yeah. What on earth got you passionate about wanting to help wives in particular yeah. really deal with this? Because I don't think it's something that when somebody is thinking, I want to go into counseling, that that's necessarily the first thing <laughs> that comes into their mind that they want to deal with. They probably maybe just have a general idea. of I want to help people. Yes. How do you get into this specific niche?
1: Yes. Well, usually not because you go seeking it. Um, so my husband, uh, confessed his pornography addiction, um, and sex, sex addiction into our marriage about two years in, we were going to Denver seminary at the time to both become professional counselors. So that was a real pivotal time where I was wanting to do grad school to maybe work with couples, work on helping couples have healthy marriages, thriving marriages, while at home, my marriage had been completely Um, from my perspective just shattered Mm -hmm. you know our vows felt like they had been shattered things that we had been dreaming of and longing for and wanting to do felt like with that confession it all came tumbling down
2: Mm -hmm. and so
1: at the time I'm learning how to become a counselor learning how to help people and at the same time having no clue how to deal with the pain of betrayal in my marriage and so I remember early on thinking maybe God could use this. Maybe he could use my pain and the pain that we're walking through to heal other people. But I don't know uh, if this is what all counselors do or just maybe me specifically, but I very quickly jumped to wanting to help other people before wanting to get the right help myself. Mm. And so I think as a result of that, I began to realize that I had a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness towards my husband, Um, I wanted deeply to forgive him, but I didn't really know how to forgive. Um, I didn't know how to walk through the forgiveness process when his relapses continued, when the confessions kept happening, when I would discover something new again that we would have to work through. And so I built up a real uh, hardness to my husband during those years. And in that hardness, I began to seek out attention Elsewhere outside of our marriage. Um, It's how i had always sought attention as a young girl I looked for attention from other guys other people who could make me feel worthy and pretty and beautiful and so it was it wasn't a matter of time before I began to kind of repeat that same pattern into our marriage and, and wasn't really even aware of it until I find found myself in um, an emotional and then physical affair with another man
0: yeah so let's that's kind of what we're going to be unpacking in this yeah. in this episode because i think it's going to be important for our listeners to understand what are so what's like the progression mm-hmm. you know that takes a person from being being betrayed yeah to then finding themselves on the other side of that coin where now they're actually committing kind of a a betrayal Mm -hmm. themselves. And maybe there's lots of different motivations for that. You know, we've actually seen in our ministry what we might call a revenge affair, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of out of anger, the Mm -hmm. idea of saying almost with the intent, I'm going to get you back. Mm
1: -hmm. I think we have
0: the other that is like, okay, my needs have not been met here. So I will start to look elsewhere, almost like a searching affair. So why don't you walk our, listeners through my what are some of the motivations or what are some of these stages that a person goes through to get from being betrayed to then finding themselves on the other side where they're committing a betrayal
1: yeah well i think you're absolutely right in recognizing that there are different motivations for different people and so i think that's important because as soon as i found myself to be unfaithful i began to categorize myself based on shame mm. of i'm i'm now the monster in our marriage now i'm the bad guy i'm the one who would do something like that and i didn't have any framework of recognizing actually what was going on internally for me and so i would i would categorize myself more in what you describe as that searching for love attention affection really anywhere that i could get it and because i wasn't getting it the way that i thought i maybe deserved in marriage um, with my husband with my spouse it was almost this natural progression towards getting closer and closer to this cliff of uh, risky behavior, Mm. of um, behavior that was inappropriate, like flirting, for example. So in a way, I kind of um, would have always described myself as being outgoing. Uh, I was the one who, if I met you for the first time, I'm gonna give you a hug, not a handshake. I, I, I like to be warm. and. Uh, just welcoming of everyone but I didn't recognize that my heart in some of those situations was to actually feel loved and to feel known and so I wish I could say that I you know kind of went out and and wanted revenge you know for what my husband had done to me but because it was pornography and because that was such a confusing concept for both of us early into our marriage it, it was almost like this kind of push-pull process of I would kind of recognize my heart wanting to go away from him, my husband, and then wanting to go back to him as we uh, tried to figure out how to love the Lord together, how to pray, how to confess sin, how to be on the same team. So I kind of wanted that and then my heart was also really hurt and broken and devastated and so he didn't feel safe sometimes so then I would kind of move away from my husband and in that regard, and I think that progression just kind of slowly played out into the more I found attention and attention that I liked that was consistent from someone else. Um, it, it didn't take much for me to just fully then give my heart over to, to someone in that case,
0: yeah. And so, some of the things you're talking about here I think are important to highlight and kind of camp out on. And because mm-hmm. it sounds to me, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, it sounds to yes. me like that part of the drift is that is maybe two things. One is when you're dealing with the pain of now the realization that your husband has betrayed you in this way and had these secrets and these kinds of things that are very hurtful to the intimacy in a relationship. um, It's, it's hard maybe to communicate your own feelings to that individual because it feels unsafe. It feels too scary. But then at the same time, it sounds to me like maybe there was a dynamic even before that, that you struggled to know, kind of recognize your own parameters within how to communicate your own feelings. like even being able to recognize, you know, you say now that you could recognize in hindsight, I was, I had different motivations than what I was telling people my motivations were for how I behaved and how I'd engage other people. Mm -hmm. So it's as if you were saying, I know how to present myself as I'm warm and outgoing and fun and inviting and all this, but internally you were really going, I really want touch and affection and words and all these kinds of things. So talk about that, about how just, having that that uh, dividedness within yourself and that Mm -hmm. unclarity and then on top of that having this this husband who now feels unsafe to communicate those things with whether you knew how to communicate them in the first place is that Mm -hmm. some of the things that you see even in your counseling practice of wives that this is a similar scenario that they that they are in
1: yeah, absolutely. I think you nailed it and recognizing that in a way I was kind of living this double life and, and didn't quite know how to merge those two parts of me together. So I had this external life in a way and I had the parts of me that uh, that felt and did one thing. And then I had these other parts that I didn't really know what to do with that either felt shameful to talk about and. Um, felt wrong to talk about, um, just confused me. You know, if I love the Lord, how can I also be, um, wanting attention from, from the guy at the gym? You know, how, how do those things go together and who am I going to talk to about that? Am I going to talk to my, you know, probably then boyfriend at the time, right. With my husband and I dating for three years in college, we were engaged for a year. So he and I worked, were together for a long time. We weren't necessarily sitting down at 21 and saying, you know what? I had this temptation (laughs) at at the store today. You know, there was a really attractive person that walked by. We kept that to ourselves. Mm. Um Mm -hmm. and, and again, I'm sure I could I could go off on a tangent there, but there were certain ways that I I think figured out maybe as a Christian how to live one way. And I tried to stuff the rest. But it didn't work out so well in the stuffing. Yeah. I
0: think you're hitting on something very important that sometimes we miss because we we almost look at this like a ping pong match in the sense of like right. okay the, this one spouse did this we'll say that the husband did this thing then the other spouse mm-hmm. does this other thing and then we start th- we start looking at the the specifics of each of their betrayals
2: mm-hmm.
0: and kind of unpacking that and it's very easy to lose what i'm hearing you say that is incredibly important for us to hear and that is that you were far more similar to your Mm -hmm. husband in your brokenness than you were different yes when you talk about a double life and who am i going to talk to about this and i've got certain things that are hidden guess what that's exactly what he was dealing with right i've got this secret and i'm living a double life and i don't know who i can talk to about Mm -hmm. i think it's important for listeners to hear this because a lot of times we we talk and we talk rightly about the differences between men and women in their marriages, right? Yeah. But we forget that we actually have a lot of things underneath that are very similar when it comes down to our brokenness.
2: Yeah, there's heart motivations. It uh-huh. might manifest
0: in different ways, right? Right. But the brokenness aspects are very similar. So, can you talk a little bit more about that, about how we're, we're really more alike mm-hmm. than we are different?
1: Yes, that, that has also come in hindsight because what ended up happening at the time was I began to judge the things that we were kind of both struggling with on a tiered level. So because his was pornography and mine was just wanting attention, um, somehow his sin was therefore worse than mine. Mm. And so as an attempt to cover up my own, um, darkness, brokenness, as you put it, I could easily. Um, spend my time and my anxiety and my worry on how he was doing and or what he was or wasn't doing for me all the while never really taking a good hard look at what are the motivations in my thought life what are the things that drive me as as a woman what are the things that I like and don't like and who am I sharing those things with so I took a very um judgmental approach to my husband. And it still grieves me that I mm-hmm. did that because in a way to get back to your first question, I think that's one of the main reasons why I didn't know how to forgive my husband was because mm-hmm. I took this judgmental approach towards him instead of being able to remove the log in my own eye as, as Matthew puts it.
0: Well, it is an inter- interesting, yeah. When you have that motivation of mm-hmm. judgmentalism, how that can just, fall back on you, right? I mean, it, ter- yeah. it, it turns out you end up going in the direction that you are condemning in him. Yeah. Uh, so so let's talk a little bit more about uh, kind of just the the stages and then what to do mm. after this whole situation is a mess in the sense that, you know, you've kind of compounded one betrayal on top of another. Because mm-hmm. I do want to get to a point where we start helping listeners like, how do you unpack this? How do you begin to heal from this? But yeah. what are some of those stages that you think push a person then across the line to then say, mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and, and be unfaithful?
1: Yeah. Well, I wish I were that conscious of, you know what? <laughs> I wish right. I could right. have I woke up today and, and that sounds like a good decision. But I think once you go far enough, once you give your your emotions, your time, your energy enough to another thing or another person, I think it only becomes a matter of time where it doesn't seem like you're pushing any sort of line. If you've already pushed the emotional connection, it doesn't take much more to push the physical boundaries.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and so in, in my case specifically, that was just a real slow process of kind of testing the water, and, and wishing that I wasn't in that place, but finding myself almost almost obsessed with this other guy. I found myself obsessed with the feeling that his attention gave me, and it kind of became something like a drug that I couldn't live without. And it's a very similar way that my husband has described his pornography addiction. of It wasn't something that he necessarily wanted, and yet the feeling that it gave him was so real at the time that it kept him going back. And so what we began to realize as we talked openly about this was that we were kind of after the same fix in a way it was manifesting differently, but we were both seeking comfort and, uh, intimacy in ways that, that we thought best, rather than to be able to, to consider, God, what do you even say about marriage? Mm-hmm. What do you say is good and right? And and I think by then I had already closed off myself from God to a point where uh, being with another man, uh, my moral compass was so compromised by then that that in a way that's kind of how it happens. You have to close off from your spouse, you have to close off from God, once those two doors are closed, it really gives possibility for just about anything. Right? Oh
0: yeah, it gets pretty easy at that point. It's almost like your conscience begins to be numbed and seared. Right. Um, so then, so then, let's talk about when you know. Obviously, in order for there to be any kind of restoration, not even of the relationship, but just of your own moral compass and some of those mm-hmm. types of things, there has to be a, a breaking point right? Yeah. There has to be a point at which, because I look at this as it's almost like there's, again, these dominoes that have to fall. You have you have the husband that has committed betrayal. And then if he's going to get right, so to speak, he's got to have a breaking point and begin to work. Mm-hmm. And then, then you have the compounded aspect of then the, the wife betraying. Well, she's also got to then come to a point of breaking. And so yeah. let's talk about what it looks like to begin to heal uh, what were the things that you had to go through, first of all, personally, and then what were the things that you had to go through relationally for there to be restoration? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot there. There's a lot to unpack.
1: Yeah. So I would I would describe my breaking point as um, the point in which we got pregnant with our first daughter. Mm-hmm. And um, my infidelity had been going on the year before. I... Uh, had come come to a point of feeling so much anxiety and grief uh, for just the, the damage that I had done, but had hoped that there was a way through without confession to my husband. <laughs> I wanted to find <laughs> that route. Could there be a route of coming clean with God, finding peace and restoration and fullness, and then doing everything needed to have a thriving marriage. I had, I almost had myself convinced. That that
0: I'm, was I'm sorry the the people who aren't watching the video but are only hearing the audio, I can't help, I'm over here smiling, trying not to laugh. And I don't mean any disrespect, but it's kind of like, no. and, and what was the, I reason thinking? the reason I'm smiling is because you can't even count how many times I've heard guys that have wanted that yeah. same kind of thing. Hey, is there a way that we can do this without <laughs> me telling my wife? And I'm like, not if you want to be well, if you want to be whole, no. Right confession is absolutely essential in this recovery process
1: yes and so uh my breaking point was we got pregnant which we had been trying for a while to get pregnant and so there was such joy but at the same time i didn't feel like my joy was full Mm. and complete because i had this horrible unconfessed sin towards my husband and and my husband at times had kind of suspected and and maybe felt some jealousy in ways that I was interacting with with other men, but um, if I hadn't have confessed, it's possible that he would have never known. Mm. And I think the enemy was really kind of using that as a way to say, you don't have to tell him. And so once we, once we got pregnant, the Lord just broke me open and brought me to Psalm 51. And reading through that Psalm that David cries out to the Lord in his sin, broke me. And honestly, my fear was that I wouldn't just lose my marriage. If I confess, I would lose my father, my heavenly father. And I guess the fear of God really overwhelms me in that season. And I knew if I did not confess, um, I would not be able to become free.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think you're pointing out something that is very important, but a lot of times we don't like to talk about that. And, and, And it is this, that While God promises to never leave us, Mm -hmm. he also promises to discipline those he loves. And and I think unrepentance and unconfessed sin is one of those areas in which he begins to close his ears to our prayers. He begins Mm -hmm. to hold a heavy hand on us Mm -hmm. in the sense of saying, I need you to come out into the light. Right, mm-hmm. and it makes it sound. It sounds like that's part of what was happening to you is there was just this increased heaviness yeah. that was pressing on you. And I, I yeah. personally believe that's part of God's mercy is He's willing yes. to actually discipline those He loves because yes. He knows that it's just not good for us to remain in that state of darkness. Um, yeah. So then, what was it like then in the relational piece of like how did this? I mean, mm-hmm. obviously there was the previous confession a while before about your husband and I'm it sounds like he was trying to do some work on that now that your stuff has come into the light what did that look like for your relationship and what does restoration look like for a couple who's going to deal with both of these spouses having betrayed
1: yeah so I wish I could go back to that point when I originally confessed to my husband and and do it all differently because I was only willing to confess the amount that I was willing to trust God with, which was about, I don't know, 80% at that time. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that's good enough. <laughs> 80% is more than 50%. And so my confession process, it, there was a, a huge breaking point and then more came out in terms of the details about a year later. And then the kind of the final detail, like that last few percent came out even years after that. So like you said, the Lord's kindness mm-hmm. continued to lead me to repentance. and what that looked like relationally then for my husband and I was, uh, progress and then major setback progress and then major setback. The good news was that every time progress was made where we went to counseling. So we're both counselors. And I think the assumption is, Oh, you're counselors. You know how to work through that. You can counsel one another. No, we could not. That was the furthest thing from the truth. And so we had to invite community in, we had to go to counseling, we had to begin to dig and figure out how do we learn how to rebuild trust? It was kind of this process of, I was rebuilding trust with him Mm -hmm. as he was rebuilding trust with me. I would, you know, kind of go a little deeper into some details. He would go deeper into the details and extent of his addiction. We would, we would almost be broken again Mm -hmm. and then the Lord would put us back together again. And so there were layers of healing for us.
0: So we've only got a couple of minutes left, and and I'm I'm gonna definitely want to have you back to talk about more specifically what is that what is disclosure and confession look like among couples, and how do you really build intimacy through that? So we'll kind of leave that for another time. But I do want to make a comment when you said about hey, people, you're a counselor, so you must know how to do all this stuff. I always think I always tell people, have you never seen a doctor smoking? I mean, come on, <laughs> just because it's their profession and they might know. <laughs> like the right advice to give to other people it doesn't mean that they know how to take it themselves, you know.
2: Right, right. So,
0: so as we as we finish our time here, what are just some final words of encouragement that you would have to those couples out there that might be facing the situation? And then also, uh, tell our listeners how they can get in touch with uh, with you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the additional betrayal in a marriage, whether it's the um, wh- whichever order it goes, when there is double. Betrayal when there's when there is infidelity on both spouses, it just makes it that much harder to work through. Um, I it, it is possible though. I mean, my husband and I are so floored that the Lord would go to such great lengths to bring us both back to himself first, Mm -hmm. and then the kindness of God to restore our relationship, because we were both willing to do the work. And we weren't willing to do the work at the same time, but eventually we were, God brought us to a place where where we were doing it at the same time. So my encouragement for couples even today would be, if you're finding yourself even considering um, closing off your heart from God and closing off from your spouse, because they've just hurt you one too many times, run to god for comfort and care to be healed by him because pain that is not transformed is going to be transmitted and rick reynolds says Mm -hmm. that often with a fair recovery and and i really i've seen that in my own life i can see that in couples over and over again that they're not willing to just trust god with the pain of the now which means sometimes exponential pain in the future. And I I don't want that for anyone. And so if you're already walking towards those risky behaviors, you know, towards an unguarded heart to truly talk about that now before you get to a point of, of sin and and deep Mm -hmm. destructive things.
0: So how can Um, folks reach out to you or learn more about your counseling practice?
1: yeah so uh we have a website austinstonecounseling.org and we have an entire team of counselors here in the austin area we really uh love being able to offer biblical care and counsel many of us are licensed professionals some are not but we really want to meet people where they're at uh, with the truth of god's word and the love of the lord and refreshing them on identity in christ so that's the website um, and you can, you can find all of my info on there.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jessica. And, uh, we'll definitely have you back again to talk more about the communication with couples and confession, but thanks for being with us. Great. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And listeners, of course, we're always glad that you're with us and we look forward to having you back here again next time on the pure sex radio broadcast. Take care. Pure sex radio is paid for by be broken ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.